Tis the season of joy, or so they say. With only a few days of Christmas shopping left, how's your joy? We often think of joy as happiness, but it's really so much more. True joy is a limitless, life-defining, transformative reservoir waiting to be tapped into. And for our last week in our Advent series, Chris is going to tell you just how to tap into that reservoir. Here's Chris. Well, Merry Christmas. Good to see you guys. One week, seven shopping days left. So just so you know, just to stress everybody out at the beginning of the message. Um, guys, this, uh, this year is a little different. We have um, Christmas Eve is on a Sunday, which I can't remember. I mean, I'm sure we have over the years. I've been at this for a while. I just don't remember ever doing it on a Sunday. But with the Capitol Theater, it gives us the opportunity to do one service and get everybody together. So next weekend, as Mike said, 10.30, we're going to be here. Uh, And it is an incredible opportunity to reach out to people who don't usually come to church. And I want to encourage you to leverage that opportunity, uh, invite people. Close your eyes for a minute. All right, everybody's eyes closed. You are sitting in the, the middle of the iconic Capitol Theater of Wheeling, West Virginia, a a centerpiece of our community, I want you to picture this place full of people singing praises to God. I I believe that's God's vision for our church and the impact He wants us to have. And we'll get a a picture of that next weekend. Um, uh, But I think long-term, God wants to bring revival to this community in such a powerful way, and we're going to be a big part of that as a church. But next weekend, uh, or all this week, please be praying for people. You know, people are struggling at Christmas time. I'm going to talk about that a little bit. Um, And uh, it's a great opportunity to just be able to say, hey, come with me and bring them along. And so I encourage you to do that. Uh, As Mike said as well, um, as an act of service, uh, give up your parking spot and park down at the uh, Intermodal Center and uh, open up spots around here for the people who, who will be coming to join us and hear the message of Christmas. I'm so excited about the service. It's going to be uh, different than what we usually do. It's not going to be just you know singing some songs and then me giving a message, although that's wonderful and great and works really well. We're going we're gonna to mix it up together. We're weaving a story together that starts at the beginning of creation and goes to where we are today with Christmas as the centerpiece. It's going to be a lot of fun, and I think people who come who aren't even followers of Jesus yet will uh, we'll enjoy and also hear the, uh, the message of the gospel. So bring them with you. All right. You know, the thing about Christmas is that it hits everyone differently, doesn't it? There are some of us that, like, we're skipping around now. Actually, it started the day after Halloween. It's the most wonderful time. Of, you know, I mean, it's like, we love Christmas. Yay, it's Christmas time. You've been dreaming about it all year long. You put the lights up on November 1st. You sick person, you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there, there are others of us that it's a difficult time of, of the year. You know, for, for, for some of us, it's a reminder of how broke you are, or well, at least it will be here in a couple weeks, or, or maybe it's a reminder of the fact that you lost a loved one this year, or maybe some year passed at Christmas time, and you're still grieving and processing that, and Christmas is really hard for you. For some of us, it's, the, it's all the expectations that we don't feel like we can, we can meet. It's just not, not in us. Uh, For others of us, it's the thought of spending time with your psycho family that just kind of, you're just like, you can feel it. It's the most dreaded time of the year. And to add insult to injury, 
all the people who love Christmas that are going around, skipping around, singing it's the most wonderful time of the year, and you just want to ring their necks. You know, I used to not like Christmas very much at all. Uh, in, one of the things I love about God is that He has wired us all up differently, right? And so um, we're, all, we're all unique. We're all a little bit different from one another. Now, there are some things that are universal among human beings, but, but there are a lot of things that are different. And, some, and uh, for me, I love to give meaningful gifts. Anybody with me? I don't like to give meaningless gifts. Like, that just rubs me the wrong way. And so Christmas, for the longest time... I felt like I had a list of people that I needed to buy things for, and so I would do my due diligence as a guy. I would go out on Christmas Eve looking for those gifts, and I, and I would wander around the mall, and people were wondering, should he be at the mall or should he be in an asylum somewhere? Because I'm mumbling to myself, and I've got my list, and I don't even know what I'm going to get for them. I want to find something meaningful, but there's nothing meaningful on Christmas Eve. It's just plastic stuff and, uh, and, and sweaters. I'm like, who wants a sweater? That means nothing to me, means nothing to them. All of you people who bought sweaters for people, just, you know, just know that it's a terrible gift. I'm just kidding. Um, so are you feeling encouraged? I hope you are. Um, so at any rate, I, I would just, I would just like, I just, you ever been right up here mentally? Like, I think I might snap this Christmas. That's where I used to live at Christmas. I hated Christmas. Uh, and then I married Miss Christy Pike, who loves Christmas and loves presents and thinks about it for months in advance. She doesn't start on Christmas Eve like I do. Um, and now I only have one present to buy, and Christmas is a wonderful time of the year for, for us now. And so, and for me, and I don't lose my mind. So I get it. If you struggle, I get it. If you like Christmas, I get it. We're all different. We're all wired differently. We all have different challenges that we're facing at this time of year. But regardless of whether it's the most wonderful time for you because of all the traditions and the presents and everything else and the tinsel and lights, or if it's the hardest time of the year, I think it's super important to pull away from all of that and focus on the coming of Jesus, which is what we're doing in this series. It's the Advent series. We're looking at Jesus coming. He came 2,000 years ago. He will come back again. He said he would. We're waiting with anticipation for that. And in the midst of that, we have dialed down over the last few weeks on some key things that he brought that we can live in even now. Things like hope. Week one, we talked about hope and, and the idea that if our hope is in the right things, if our hope is in him and not the world around us, if, if our hope is, is in our eternity, in his coming, there is the ability to live life regardless of the circumstances that we're in with a, just a, a solidity inside. Hope makes all the difference in the world, and Jesus came to bring hope, and he certainly did. He was the fulfillment of hope, and, uh, and we hope for his return. Week two, we talked about love and how it was God's love that inspired him to come 2,000 years ago. God loves us so much and how if we live out of that love and we give our love away out of his love, that it changes the way we live our lives. It changes the way we experience Christmas and the rest of the year. Last week talked about peace, not the lack of war conflict, but that inner peace that the, the Jewish word shalom so well captures, well-being 
deep in our soul. And he was the Prince of Peace. He is the Prince of Peace. He came to put that kind of peace that passes understanding inside of us. And I, I hope you're seeing the picture come together. Like when these things are alive and well on the inside of you, you look different. You live different. But there are specific ways to live, specific things to lean into that bring these things true in our life. But it was because Jesus came, it is because He's coming back that we can live this way. We can live different than the world around us. Now this week, I'm talking about joy. And joy is the thing that you want. You know, I mean, joy is the thing that the marketers all market to. Now, we get confused. We think it's happiness, right? We're, we all want happiness. We're, we pursue happiness, all of that. And there's a confusion there that I hope to clarify today because it's not happiness that you want. Oh, you might want happiness, but what your heart longs for is joy. And, uh, and we're going to talk about that. Now, the dictionary has a definition for joy that I find completely dissatisfying. This is what it says. It's a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. Joy is so much more than that. Joy lives deep inside of us. I found another definition, not in the dictionary, that I really like. True joy is a limitless, life-defining, transformative reservoir waiting to be tapped into. Let me say that again. It's a limitless, life-defining, transformative reservoir waiting to be tapped into. Joy lives inside of us deep down. It's not superficial, but it comes from beyond us. It's something we tap into. It's not something we create. It's powerful. Now, we pursue happiness. This is the theme of our culture. I would even say we worship happiness. Happiness is what we think we want. Happiness is what's marketed to us each and every day. The problem with happiness is that it is superficial. It is dependent upon what happens to you. It's external. And it's not satisfying. In fact, the pursuit of happiness makes happiness all that much more elusive. Because you might pursue happiness, and so you're pursuing the stuff and the pleasure and all that stuff, and, and, and you may hit it and you may not get it, right? Get those things, but the, you don't. You're disappointed. You do. You realize, oh, that wasn't what I was looking for in the first place because it doesn't satisfy never does happiness depends on external factors and you can seek it you can desire it you can pursue it but it is elusive and it is superficial and it's not a choice we make happiness isn't i mean we can make choices to try and try and make our lives more fun or more pleasurable or more more abundant or whatever but ultimately we don't have control over that like, you can try and raise your kids well, but they may or may not be successful. They may or may not go off the rails. You can try and live healthy, pursue health, but disease comes to everybody. You know? I mean, you, you, you may or may not wake up one day with a terminal illness. Your business deals may go good some days and bad the other. It's very, very beyond our control. And it doesn't bring joy, and that's important. Happiness does not bring joy. And that's, I think, the subconscious lie that we have, have bought into. That if we can achieve happiness, if we can make all the happenings in our lives happy, then somehow we will achieve joy. It 
doesn't work that way. Again, like I said, you'll find yourself at the end of that road going, okay, I went down the wrong road. This doesn't actually satisfy. There are people who have every pleasure and, what, and uh, abundance in the world who are going, there's got to be more to life than this. Joy is grander than happiness. It resides deep inside of us. Regardless of circumstances. And I would suggest to you that it's built on the rest of the series. Joy is built on, on hope. It's built on love. It's built on peace. And ultimately, joy grows out of the soil of those things. Joy is permanent. Happiness is temporary. Transforms difficult times in our lives into blessings. Joy does. It turns heartache into gratitude. It brings meaning to life. It brings life to life. And so my question for us today, my question to really kind of start this message is this, do you have joy? Like when you stop and think about it and pull back and, and just reflect on your life, do you have joy? Have you tapped into that reservoir? Is that real in your life? The citizens of the most prosperous country in the world, in the pro prosperous country in history, the most provisioned people ever, written into our founding documents is the pursuit of happiness, isn't it? We find these truths to be self-evident. You know what I'm talking about? You know the thing? Yeah. That we are created by the Creator with certain inalienable rights. Among these are life, liberty, and what? The pursuit of happiness. Yeah, now, interestingly enough, words have power, right? Words have power. That wasn't originally the way it was written. It was originally written life, liberty, and property, or private property. That's how it was written. The founders were concerned that that would set up an argument for slavery, which ultimately they wanted to abolish. And so they, uh, they changed it to the pursuit of happiness. And those words, that phrase, has been informing our mindset as a people ever since. We've been pursuing happiness. And the problem is when you pursue happiness, you'll never find it. It's our birthright. In fact, I would suggest we worship it. When you talk to parents and ask them, what do you want for their kids? I just want my kids to be what? Happy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's the thing. Now, it's a misunderstanding. We want our kids to have joy. It's really what we want them to have. It's even, we even mark it to, as, as states. You ever see this, the welcome sign to Pennsylvania? You can go to Pennsylvania and be happy. You can pursue your happiness there. Now, there's a little sign over here in the corner, fines are doubled, so you don't want to go too fast. <laughs> right? You don't want to go too fast into Pennsylvania pursuing your happiness. But if you go to Pennsylvania, you can pursue it. We worship it. It's at the core of who we are, and I think a lot of it goes back to the Declaration of Independence. It's, it's, it's our founding ethos, and it was never meant to be. And so what happens? What's the result? When you pursue happiness as a people, as a culture, as a nation, year after year after year after year, you end up with the most medicated, depressed society in the world. 
You know, the average across the world, the average rate of depression in any given culture is about 5%. In the United States of America, it's 18%. I remember I went to Vietnam many years ago, and we went up to visit um, a group of Christian people called the Montyard people. They are persecuted by the Vietnamese government. They are isolated. They are put off in a little camp on the side of a mountain. And um, they live in these little huts. I mean, I got to go into their huts. They sleep on the ground. They cook on an open fire in the middle of the floor, in the middle of the hut. They have nothing. They were hungry. And yet they were some of the most joyful people I have ever met. Their, their smiles haunt me to this day. Because as I was in there and watching this, and the joy that you could just feel with these people, and I'm thinking... And people back home are so neurotically depressed. What is, like, what are we missing? And it has occurred to me, we're pursuing happiness, not joy. It's not dependent on what we have or how put together we are or how great our kids are. All those things are fine, but they don't bring joy. We are focused on happiness and we are more neurotic because of it. Add insult to injury. Over the last couple of years, as we've watched suicide rates climb, as we've watched depression rates climb, we're all on our phones looking at everybody else's life and how great their life is. You know, Theodore Roosevelt said that uh, comparison is the thief of joy. I think what he meant was happiness. It's the thief of happiness. And so we're looking at our, our social media and we're comparing our happiness to everybody else's happiness. And everybody else's happiness looks fantastic. I mean... You know, the, their, their meals look better than your meals. Their vacations look better than their, your vacations. Their kids, well, they're better than your kids. Now, we never take time to consider that they took 25 pictures to get that one and put three filters on it, right? Here's a little free advice from Buddy the Elf. They live on a throne of lies. Stop comparing your. Some of us need to get off social media because it's, it's killing you. The comparison is killing you. All right. It's a long setup, but here's what I know. We all could use some joy. We all want joy. The thing in, that our hearts long for is not the happiness. We long for joy. So I want to give you five truths about joy. And I encourage you, if you have notes or if you've got something to write with, write this down. This is one of those messages that I, I just feel like there's so much here that maybe you need to go back. You need to write it down. You need to go back and listen to it. And you need to get these things deep into your heart because this is, this is a pivotal message. The truth about finding joy. Pull out your vineyard pen that you're going to return at the end of the service. All right. Number one, joy is a mindset. Joy is a mindset. The Apostle Paul, or no, I'm sorry, not the Apostle Paul, the Apostle James, Jesus' half-brother in James 1, says this, consider it pure joy. Stop. Consider it pure joy. In other words, you get to choose. Am I going to look at the positive of this situation or the negative of this situation? Am I going to consider this joy? And he, he explains why here in a moment, and I'll explain it to you. 
uh, as well. But it's a mindset. Consider pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, even difficulties. It's a decision. It's a, it is a mindset. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. In other words, what James lays out for us is, look, you're going through a hard time. This is going to suck. It's going to be hard. You're not going to like it, but God is doing something in you, and he's going to bring some things out of this situation that are going to be really good, so consider it joy. Focus on the positive, not on the negative. Focus on the outcome, not the process. Consider it pure joy. It's a mindset. Guys, we can choose. Are we going to dwell on the trial or are we going to dwell on the promised outcome that God has given us? You get to decide. Are you going to be positive, a positive person, positive mindset, or a negative mindset? And this is profound and powerful. Johns Hopkins University did a study on positive mindsets. Uh, This is what they found. They said people with a family history of heart disease who also had a positive outlook, were one-third, 33.3%, less likely to have a heart attack than those with a more negative outlook. Just having a positive mindset impacts your physical health, your physical heart, in a profound way. How much more our emotional, mental, and spiritual heart when we choose to have a positive Outlook. There was Article 3 scientific studies that prove the power of positive thinking. This is what, what they came up with. Three studies in peer-reviewed journals found that positive thinking is good for the immune system. It reduces anxiety and increases positive emotions such as happiness. Positive thinking has been shown to be particularly beneficial when you are going through the wire, going through a difficult time. When your life feels completely out of control, this powerful habit can set into motion a chain of events over which you have complete and total control. For example, positive thinking triggers positive emotions such as joy, interest, contentment, pride, and love. The power of considering it all joy. The power of choosing to focus and dwell on the outcome, not the trial. The the power of of having a glass half full perspective. Now, here's what I know, because some of you are like, yeah, I don't. (laughs) And, 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 And as I said at the beginning, we're all wired a little bit differently, right? Some of us are, you know... Glass is half, half full all the time. There's, oh, something good is going to come out of that. And, you, and then the other half of us hate you um, because, because the glass is half empty and we always consider the, the, you know, the, the worst parts and we have a negative mindset. And, 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 and you probably married each other. Um, and, so, and that's for a reason because you need to help. You know, one of you is going to keep your feet on the ground, the others, you know. But hopefully you guys will come to a place of, I'm going to challenge you to to land on the positive side with your feet on the ground. You know, we are all wired different, and for some of us, some things will come easier, and for others, other things will come easier. If you're a negative person by default, I want to challenge you. You can change that. You can consider it all joy. You can choose, and over time, you can change. 
And it's going to be harder work for you than it is your spouse. <laughs> but you need to make that change because joy is a mindset. Romans 8, 28, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Again, Apostle Paul just reiterating what James said. You may be going through something really hard. It may be tough. It may be sad. It may be grievous, whatever it is you're dealing with. But God is bringing good out of it. And so you can focus on the good that God's bringing, or you can keep your eyes on the hard thing that you're going through. You get to decide. Am I going to be a positive person or am I going to be a negative person? Choose to be positive. So joy is a matter of mindset. Secondly, joy is a matter of focus. You see what you focus on, don't you? And you know this if you've ever started shopping for a car. Right? So say I'm going to, I'm going to start shopping around and I want, a, uh, I want a Subaru Outback, right? Well, all of a sudden, everywhere you go, everybody's driving a Subaru Outback. Anybody ever experienced this phenomenon? Not the Outback, but whatever it is you're focused on. Like, they're everywhere. I had no idea. Other people were really smart, too, and wanted an all-wheel drive vehicle. Um, so, and it just worked because why? Because you're focused on it, and that's what you see. They were there all the time. You just didn't see them before, but now that you're focused on, you see them. I love the pictures where uh, there's two, two images in one image. You know what I'm talking about? I'm going to put one up. So this is a picture of a rabbit. <laughs> it's a picture of a rabbit, or depending on what you're focusing on, it's a picture of a duck. All right, so let me help the, let me help the duck people out here for a second. The rabbit is facing that way. You see it? Yeah, it's hard to see the duck and the rabbit at the same time, isn't it? Like, so the duck's facing this way, its beaks are the, ear, its beak are the ears, you see it? Right, everybody focus on the duck, you see the duck, it's hard to see the rabbit. You see what you're focused on. There's, this one is a classic, the vase picture. Now, some of you see a vase. Some of you see two faces facing one another. Right? So focus on the vase for a minute. It'll give you a minute. It takes some time for a mind to make the switch. You see the vase? It's hard to see the faces while you're focused on the vase. Now focus on the faces, and you'll feel the switch in your mind. Now what do you see? You see the faces. It's hard to see the vase. You can, but it's, it, it takes a lot of mental energy. Guys, we see what we're focused on. Joy is a matter of focus. If you're focused on the news all day long, Myron did such a great job with this last week. If you're focused on the news all day long, the news is full of desperation, despair, and clickbait that is going to make you hopeless. Now, I'm not saying you can't watch the news or you can't you know, be aware of what's going on in the world. I think we should be. But if that's your entertainment, if you're spending hours a day on blogs and and, uh, and news channels and, and papers, and uh, that's what you're going to see. You are training your mind, you're training your brain, and you're training your heart to see the negative. It's going to be pretty hopeless, and joy is going to be hard for you. This has become our national entertainment. It has. Got to stop it. 
got to stop him. If you constantly look at what's wrong in the world, that's what you're going to see. You see what you're focused on. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Writer Hebrews just laid out a whole list of, of heroes of the faith. And he's like, and, and they're, they're with, you know, they're looking down from heaven. They're, they're, they're surrounding us. They're cheering us on. And he says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. He said, you know what this life's about. Run the race. Keep your eye on the prize. Stay focused on the finish line. Don't get distracted by what's going on in this world. Don't get distracted by the sin of this world. Stay focused. It's a matter of focus. And then he says, tells us what to focus on. He says, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Joy is a matter of focus. The pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning his shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus' focus was the joy, not the cross. It was the outcome, not the trial. And that joy was you. That joy was you forgiven, you in a relationship with God, you rescued from the fires of hell and adopted into God's family. That was the joy set before him. And he kept his focus on that and he got to where he was going. Guys, we have to stop focusing on the bad and the sad. We have to. And it's a discipline because our culture is obsessed with the bad and the sad. You have to focus on God. This is why it's so important to spend some time on a daily basis focusing your life on God. Read your Bible, His Word, His instruction manual, His love letter, what He has to say. Focus your brain on that. Take some time every day, not because it makes Him love you more, but because it focuses your life on the right thing and fills your head with the right thoughts, which enables you to have joy. Pray every day. Take some time and quiet yourself and unplug from everything going on in the world and focus your life on Him. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Gather with other Jesus followers. You know, I mean, this is great on Sunday morning, and it's, I think it inspires us as we worship God together, as we as we uh, spend this time diving into his word, gather with people in, in, in life groups throughout the week. Where, and one of the most profound things I have found that helps me stay focused on Jesus is my brothers and sisters encouraging me, praying for me, and pointing me in the right direction when I start to go in the wrong direction. This is a critical part of staying focused on the right things. That's why Jesus gathered a small group of 12 disciples. In Psalm 16.8, it says, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With Him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Focus on what is good. So focus on God and focus on what is good. We hit this, this, this verse last weekend about what is good, what is right, what is true. Focus on those things. Absolutely, this is biblical. I encourage you to, you know, Turn off the TV and go outside and take a walk in nature. You know, we have one of the most beautiful parks in the country in our backyard. Go walk. Go spend time talking to God as you walk. Enjoy the trees and the nature and, and the beauty. 
Another practice that I would encourage everybody to do in the new year is this. Write down at the end of the day three things you're grateful for every day. All right, as a discipline. And what's going to happen is after the first week, you're going to run out of the things that are obvious. And you're going to have to begin to look around throughout the day for positive things that you're grateful for that are going on. And you'll focus on those. And what actually science has shown is that that will, over time, rewire your neuro map when you're looking for positive things, when you're looking for the things that you're grateful for. And it will help you focus on what is good. Joy is a matter of focus. Now, here's the deal. Those two things, I don't care if you're a follower of Jesus or if you're not a follower of Jesus. If you, if you change your mindset and you, and, you, uh, and you focus on the positive, you will push the needle, you'll move the needle on your joy quotient. You will. You will. But the joy I'm talking about is so much more significant than what you're going to be able to do on your own. Which brings me to point three. Joy is a gift from God. Joy is a gift from God. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy. God, there's a supernatural component to joy. God puts it inside of us. He fills us with it. We, can, we have our part to play. Mindset, focus, yes, absolutely. And if you're not doing those things, you're going to undermine what God's doing. Okay, so you need to cooperate, points one and two. But there is a supernatural endowment of joy that comes from God that we can't manufacture, we can't discipline ourselves into. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope. This is starting to sound like our series. Hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit in you giving you joy, growing joy within you. The Apostle Paul in Galatians 5 says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Like, that's what the presence of God inside of you begins to manifest through you. This fruit grows out in your life. And it comes from Him, not from you. Yes, we have to cooperate. But we need this X factor of joy as well. Let me ask you, have you ever asked Him for it? I want to encourage you. Actually, right now, we can just do this right now. Ask God every day to fill you with His Spirit afresh and to fill you with His joy afresh, to grow that in your life. And some of you really struggle with that because there are some of us that begin to feel guilty when we ask God for things for ourselves. Don't. One of the most profound things about your life is when you live this way, the rest of the world looks on and wants what you have. It's not a selfish prayer, but it's a powerful one. And I encourage you to pray it. It's okay to ask for blessing. Point four, God's joy makes us strong on the inside. It makes us strong on the inside. There is, a, there is something inside of us that is unshakable 
when we live in the joy of the Lord. In the book of Nehemiah, they're dealing with some very difficult times. Persecution. They're trying to rebuild the wall around Jerusalem and they're getting, they're getting attacked from the outside and overwhelmed on the inside because it's such a huge task. And Nehemiah says this, he says, Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is our strength. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. What's he talking about? He's talking about this inner strength that we have when things are good, when things are bad, when we're dealing with persecution, when we're dealing with suffering, when we're dealing with sickness. There is a joy that makes us unshakable. See, the difference between joy and happiness is with joy, you can have joy and be sick. You can have joy and be living under persecution or discomfort or when things aren't going your way. We can have this deep abiding joy when everybody else is melting down around us. And everybody else is melting down around us. I found in researching this message some staggering, staggering information. We are in a mental health tsunami as a nation right now. In, in 2020, at the very beginning of the pandemic, so I think a lot of this was pre-pandemic and they just captured it in that year, 51.2%, let me say that again so you get the number, 51.2%, got it? Of U.S. females received mental health services according to Forbes magazine. even higher among women 18 to 25. Now, I have a whole other sermon on why that is, why women and not men. Our culture is doing something to women right now that is undermining mental health. It is. But that's a different sermon for a different day. The other stat that I found was that suicide is the second leading cause of death for children 10 to 14 years old. Our kids are killing themselves. We are melting down. How much brighter does our joy look in the midst of a culture that is melting down around us? And that's the joy that God promises us. And that's the joy and the peace that are found in Jesus. Week one of this series I shared about Corey Temboom who was arrested by the Nazis during World War II, thrown into a concentration camp, stripped naked, exposed to the elements, starved, watched horrific things, infested with bugs and boils and everything else. And they stole her happiness, but they could not steal her joy. And that's the thing about joy. It can't be taken from you. It's the thing you're looking for. The kind of joy that the, the Scripture talks about enables the Apostle Paul to, to write these words from a dungeon. Philippians 4.4, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. That's the mindset. You can choose to rejoice in the midst of a dungeon. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. There's the focus. 
Focus on Him. Even in the midst of the difficult things. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And there you see the inner strength and the fact that this is ultimately a gift from God. See, all this time you've been thinking, I want happiness. And in reality, what you want is joy. People are crying out for this. Our world is crying out for this. And seeing you with it gives them hope. But if we're just doing what the rest of the world is doing and allowing the, our focus and our mindset and everything else to steal our joy, if we are not asking God to fill us with it, then we're missing out. Last point is simply this. Joy is a choice. And I don't mean a choice of mindset. It is a choice of mindset. It is a choice of focus. There are choices involved, but it backs up to a bigger choice. And the choice is this, choosing God. All of it is built on a relationship with God. None of it happens without a relationship with God. Proverbs 10.28 says this, the prospect of the righteous is joy, but the hope or hopes of the wicked come to nothing. The prospect of the righteous is joy. What is righteousness? Well, contrary to popular belief, righteousness is not perfection. You will never be perfect. Take a deep breath. You're not going to be perfect. Righteousness is different than perfection. Righteousness is about three things. It's about forgiveness. Jesus came to earth 2,000 years ago, born as a baby, lived a sinless life, and was sacrificed on a cross in your place because you have sinned and fall short of God's standard which makes you ineligible for a relationship with God. But He paid the price that you couldn't so that you could be forgiven, so that you could have a relationship with God. It is about forgiveness, God's forgiveness for us. Secondly, it's about faithfulness. And here's what I mean by this. Again, you're not going to ever be perfect, but are you faithfully trying to live His way? So many of us today just want to live in forgiveness and forget faithfulness. And so we're just like, well, I'm just going to live however I want. I'm not going to live God's way, but I'm going to come back over and over again and ask for forgiveness. That's not righteousness. Righteousness is doing the best you can to live according to what God says. That's that faithfulness piece. And you're not going to get it perfect, and you are going to have to come back to forgiveness from time to time. And there's grace in all of that. But are you trying? Have you surrendered? Have you asked Him to be the Lord of your life? That's part of righteousness. And lastly, it's friendship. It's forgiveness, it's faithfulness, and it's friendship. You were created by God to be in a relationship with God. And until you are, you will never have peace. You will never have the hope that you need to have. You will never have the love of God flowing through your life, and you will never have joy the way you could have joy. Because it's what you were made for. It's been said we have a hole in our heart, the shape of God, and we try and stuff everything, everything we can in there to try and find happiness, and nothing fits and nothing satisfies for long. 
But it's only in that relationship with Him, that friendship with Him, that we find joy. Real joy starts with Jesus. And that's the Gospel. You know, there's this song we sing. We're going to sing it here in a minute. At this time of year. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her King. My question for you today is have you ever received the King? Have you ever received Jesus? Placed your faith in Him and experienced the forgiveness that inspires you to live faithfully, that, that enables you to have a relationship with the God of the universe who created you and loves you and wants you to be part of His family. And if you haven't, it's the first step to joy. And I want to invite you to do that right now. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. And I want to just lead you in a prayer. Placing your faith in Jesus. You can pray something like this. You don't have to use my words exactly. It's, it's the sentiment of the prayer, not the exact words. But just in the quiet of your thoughts, just say, Jesus, thank you for coming to earth 2,000 years ago. Thank you for Christmas. Thank you for dying in my place to pay the debt that I couldn't. Thank you for Easter. And now I choose to place my faith in you. I choose to live my life for you. And as best as I can, God, and I know I'm not going to get it perfect, but as best as I can, I choose to follow you. Help me to do that. Would you come and fill that, that space in my heart? Would you pour your joy into my life? Would you transform my life from death to life, from darkness to light? I don't want to do this without you anymore, God. Thank you, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us on the Vineyard Church Podcast today. It's our greatest desire for people to find and follow God, and we hope this podcast is one way that helps you do just that. But don't stop here. We would love to see you face to face. God's people grow most in community, so don't forget you can join us live at the Capitol Theater in downtown Wheeling every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. If you'd like to connect with us in the meantime, make sure to visit our website, vineyardwheeling.com, or download our app. You can catch up on previous messages and series, request prayer, and even download additional content. Thanks again for joining us this week. We'll see you next time.